Hello and welcome to The Word Affairs, a weekly podcast where we talk about everything from human nature, mental health, religion and society. I'm Kainat Ravnaz and I'm really excited to have you listening in every single week. So let's get started. So we're back for another episode. I hope you guys are all doing really well. Hope you guys had a great week and we're going to do something a little different from last week's episode. It was um, a lot more relaxed. So this week we're getting uh, straight back into it and we're going to be talking about the representation of BAME women in the health and social care of UK. Um, So this has actually been on, um, I feel like I say that all the time, this has actually been on my mind for a while. Um, but uh, yeah, I've actually been thinking about this quite a bit really, um, about how BAME women and just BAME individuals in general, how they are represented in comparison to the rest of the population in the UK when it comes to, uh, seeking medical help, when it comes to, um, medical and health, uh, sorry, health and social services and medical conditions. Um, and yeah, um, I think it's really important as well because um I, I like I said because I was thinking about it, I had a, like a, I had a vague idea really but when I did my research I was quite shocked really I was quite surprised at the statistics and the results and the data that's been collected on this it really is quite big um and I never knew that there's there was this massive disproportion you know amongst us in the in 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 the population of England and Wales so um I guess we should just really get right into it but um the you know what does it actually even mean to be BAME in the first place what does that acronym even mean so it stands for black asian and minority ethnics and um, it is defined as all ethnic groups except white ethnic groups so that could be white british white irish gypsy or irish traveler however it does not relate to country origin or affiliation so it literally just means um you know if you're black if you're asian if you're a minority ethnic you know any type of ethnic group you get classified into this um into this acronym of BAME as a BAME background and um I mean in terms of like how this kind of um is represented amongst the population of the UK um a census the the 2011 census actually it showed that 86% of the population uh, was white and 7.5% of the population was or you know it comprised of asian ethnic groups 3.3% were black ethnic groups 2.2% were mixed multiple ethnic groups and other ethnic groups were at 1%. And that was obviously taken right from the government website. But if we separate this in terms of gender, uh, women make up over half of the population of England Wales um, at 50.8%. And 13.9% of these women are from a BAME background. 16% of the female working age population are from a BAME background too. Now, I mean, let's just take an example of what kind of, you know, working background this could be, you know, what kind of like company we talk about or what kind of environment. And um, if we look at the NHS, for example, what kind of, you know, population does that make of? What kind of like representation of that of the employees is it? Well, three, well, in general of the working population, 
sorry if you can hear anything in the background by the way they, we've just got a new kitten and um they're trying to get her used to water my family and they're trying to bathe her so um i do apologize if you can hear anything in the back because of that but yeah so if we look at the working population 3.4 percent are black or black british and 6.1 percent of employees in the nhs are black now 7.2% of the working population is Asian or Asian British British sorry and 10% of the NHS are Asian so you can see it's not really much of you know uh, it's not a really big number if you think about it 10% of you know the uh, employees of the NHS are Asian it isn't really a big fact if you think about it, it's not really a big statistic but um there's also many reasons for that as well um you know why it's hard and all that type of stuff but um yeah it, it, we you know we just really need to look at this and think about what it is that's setting us back um in terms of um you know the BAME kind of community what is it that is kind of making us appear in these statistics so if we look at medical conditions and you know um the health and social kind of services the biggest thing obviously that's going on right now is COVID-19 I mean in the middle of a pandemic it really is you know I think it's I mean obviously you've got the whole you know how are we going to tackle this from an epidemiological kind of view but it is a time to collect data and results for those of you who are obviously wondering as well I'm perfectly fine alhamdulillah um I um healthy well and alive um I, I like I said obviously last week as well I didn't really have any symptoms so this week everything's really been normal I'm coming towards the end of my self-isolation period of 14 days um ideally I mean it's seven days really but um you know my work they they want me wanted me to isolate for 14 days and I'm more than happy to do that obviously um because it's it's for the benefit of everyone else so yeah I'm I'm perfectly fine but um I guess I was a part of a statistic as well because um, I was looking into the research in, you know, COVID-19 and how it kind of um, has affected uh, ethnicities of the UK. And yeah, being women, you know, they're, uh, I'm talking about the women in general here, by the way, but they are a big uh, statistic and they appear frequently in the proportions for medical and health conditions. And obviously, as we're currently in the middle of a pandemic, recent studies have found that BAME women make up for over half of pregnant women in UK hospitals who have been admitted with a COVID-19 infection. So um, that does really show the the vast majority of, you know, pregnant women, especially women who are going to give birth. You know, they are they are the the victims of a COVID-19 infection. So 56% were from black or ethnic minority groups. Um, and obviously of that, you know, it meant that 25% were Asian and 22% were black. So 70, this, this is the funniest thing as well. Um, not funny really, but I mean, as in, it, it does show, well, what are the other factors of this other than ethnicity? You know, is there any other side, you know, sideline kind of factors that could affect this? Well, you know, when they went into this research, they found that 70% were overweight or obese. Uh, 40% were aged 35 or over. So obviously they were at a high risk and a third had pre-existing conditions. And obviously these are just statistics that are investigations of COVID-19. Imagine if we were to sit down and look at each and every single kind of medical disorder or cause or symptoms or whatever disease you would see that you know there is a massive misrepresentation and 
it really does show how some people are more likely to be victims of these uh, cases than others. And it, it really did shock me when I saw this. But when I read this whole thing about these pre-existing conditions, it was like, oh, right. You know, it's one of them and it kind of dawned on me because... Um, I mean, I'm talking from the South Asian community. I can't really vouch for any other kind of uh, BAME individual, but especially for the Asian uh, kind of community, we do have a big, big problem of all of these kind of conditions of obesity, of, um, you know, all of these type of um, diabetes, of all of this, these other conditions that are possibly putting us at higher risk of getting these type of really severe um, infections and really severe diseases and yeah so when you have all of these pre-existing conditions it is going to put you at high risk and the fact that um you know this is a big problem amongst our Asian communities it does show that we just really really need to take care of this and we need to address that but on the lines of that another one I was looking into was diabetes and diabetes personally I'm going to be honest I've seen this come up way too many times in the South Asian community the proportion of diabetic South Asian women is incredibly high and at least every family will have a family member or a relative with the condition at least in the area from you know where I am from so um growing up we have okay this is insane right but Growing up, we didn't actually really understand how many people had diabetes in our families or, you know, like I said, extended families or relatives or a family friend because they wouldn't even call it diabetes, okay? So uh, for those of you who aren't South Asian, you know, who maybe aren't Pakistani uh, specifically, there's this thing in the South Asian community. They don't call it diabetes. They say sugar. They say like, oh, I've got sugar. Um... And growing up, uh, we didn't actually realise that, you know, I mean, I talk about the kids specifically, we didn't actually realise they were talking about diabetes. So we were like, what do you mean you've got sugar? But, you know, then they wouldn't eat anything sugary, they wouldn't eat anything that's really bad for them. Um, and then, obviously, later on, we realised, ah, they were talking about diabetes, you know, specifically type 2, because, you know, your diet and your exercise really does affect it, and sugary foods is not good for that, you know, so... Um, yeah regulate that blood glucose guys um but yeah they would call it sugar so um it was insane how many people actually had this sugar you know all this diabetes amongst us you know it's a big thing I know in my family um I mean in my exactly my immediate family we don't actually have anyone with diabetes alhamdulillah but um in terms of extended family and you know grandparents and all that type of stuff a lot of people did have and do have diabetes so yeah it's a big big thing um amongst the South Asian community and um, in terms of the research that was done into it, a study uh, that was conducted by diabetes.org, they found that there's actually a similar incidence of type 1 diabetes in both South Asian and European children, but there's a higher incidence of type 2 diabetes in South Asians than in Europeans. Um, and now, as we know, type 1 is genetically caused. Um, and Although there is some research suggesting a genetic predisposition towards type 2 diabetes, it's predominantly known to be caused by the lifestyle that you live, you know, in relation to what you eat and how often you exercise, um, what type of, you know, your way of life. It does really influence it. And, you know, the majority of it, you know, you can put it down to diet and exercise. And, you know, when you look at that in South Asian communities, you will see a 
big difference in comparison to the rest of the population of uh, England and Wales. You will see a different way of life entirely. And that's not a good thing. That's not a bad thing. It's just the way it is. Um, But yeah, things do need to change in that sense. And we'll get into that, by the way, later on. Um, so yeah, diabetes is another one. Mental health, obviously, I feel like mental health in general is just like a topic that's really big and you know, you could do a whole like talking on that on its own. But in relation to this, um, well, you know, obviously they've done a lot of research into this. And by the way, I will link all of the links and, you know, the uh, websites and the papers and all that in my show notes of the podcast. Um, but yeah, so I was looking into this and I, the, the, the statistics were really shocking um, because I didn't ever really realise, you know, you know that it's a big thing, you know it's a problem. But when you look at it statistically and when you put numbers into it, you do end up sitting there thinking, whoa, like I didn't actually realise that there's that many people suffering from this. There's that many people out there who have had these problems. And um, obviously not all of this is very recent data because it's really hard to actually find a lot of data on this. But back in 2014, 29% of black or British, uh, black or black British women um, experienced a common mental disorder. And 28.75% of women were from a mixed or the background. And, you know, they reported the same thing. Black women have higher rates of receiving community treatment orders. You know, the CTOs. So uh, for those of you who don't know, that's a legal order requiring a person to accept mental health treatment. You know, for example, like taking medication or attending therapy it's something they have to do because they've been legally required to do so and um the amount of black women who had received this it was eight times higher than for white people in 2018 to 2019 so those are just you know that's just something that can really affect them but when you sit down and you think about it, well why why is that the case why is all this mental health uh why are these statistics so big in mental health and obviously a lot of it leads down to the way you live your life um the, the problems that you face in life um the things that you have to go through and they are very different for being uh for being individuals and especially being women um but in general there are a lot and I mean if we look at the factors that lead to these problems well first of all you've got you know in terms of your mental health and your emotional well-being there are many factors and it's not necessarily differentiated on the basis of gender but um, obviously a big influencer of you know mental health is the lifestyle you lead, lead the people you surround yourself with the job you have or maybe don't have and emotional and physical well-being has a big part to play too um and you know if you sit down and think about it I mean I know me for example you know I'm Pakistani and the way we live our lives is obviously very different um from the population of the UK and in terms of the work life I think it's getting better but for many of us the majority of our elders and especially our fathers and our grandfathers and all that they did the same type of work and believe it or not that can actually have a big impact and I didn't actually ever realize you know statistically how much of an impact this would have but when I looked at the stats there's actually it was quite surprising really I never knew this is how much of an impact it would have and um 
there's actually a 36% difference in people who are shift workers and they report obviously you know mental health uh, problems compared to people who are not shift workers that's a 36% difference between them there's also a 30% difference between zero hour contract workers who are more likely to report a mental health problem compared to those without a zero hour contract and I never ever sat down and thought that that would actually affect you know how many people come forward about their mental health and like I said I mean Yes, these are statistics, but one thing you always have to remember about stats and, you know, surveys and questionnaires and the way they do these are, you know, people can lie on stats, first of all, um, in these surveys and these way, the way that people count the information. And also, there are a lot of people who don't come forward to take part in this who may still have the same problems. So what I'm saying here is that, yes, these are really, really heavy statistics, but also we're not actually realising that there are so many people out there who are facing the same problems who just never have really spoken up about it and they're not involved in these statistics. So um, we need to remember that there are many, many more people out there who probably have the same problems. But um, here's how it relates to the BAME community. Pakistani young adults are more likely to be unemployed, working shifts without a permanent contract and having zero hour contracts compared to white young individuals. And um, it's crazy because when you sit down and think about it, um, a lot of people, I mean, especially our elders and, you know, our fathers and our grandfathers, like I said before, they have these type of lifestyles. They work shift hours, uh, you know, they they were on zero hour contracts um and we've never stopped to consider how this would have affected their mental health how working these type of shifts how working these type of hours how that would have affected how they feel inside and the problems that they are having to face so um I never actually personally I mean I I know that I talk a lot about mental health with my friends and my family and stuff but I actually never sat down to sit to consider that that you know the work that you do, the work life that you have, um, it it can severely impact the way you are or the 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 type of life that you live. And I know shift work, by the way, shift work is hard. Um, it's not necessarily hard as in the work that you're doing, or you know it can be, but as in the types of hours and stuff, it's different most days, every day. I I myself I do shifts. Um, you know I am I work part time. Um, and alhamdulillah I'm so grateful for my job sometimes it can get to you by the way um, because you know you have to balance everything I remember back you know I mean obviously schools and universities and colleges you know they shut down in March because of the pandemic but um, before that I think it was about February time it was about February time. I was really struggling, um, not necessarily to balance everything, but to make sure that I was giving my attention and focus um, to all aspects of my life because it came to a point where my week kind of looked as in the way, the way it looked was Monday to Friday university because obviously biomedicine is intense it's a very intense course you know you've got your lectures you've got um, tutorials you've got uh, lab practicals and labs are not easy they can take three hours especially when you get into second year you will realize that if it says three hours on your timetable it will probably last for the whole three hours you know there's no taking you know it's just not any give or take on that it is 
three hours um, because you can't mess up and you know you have to give your whole attention function to that but what I'm trying to say is that university obviously became um, I was a lot lot more focused in second year and you know alhamdulillah it showed in my grades as well um, I was really happy with the grades I got for my overall year but uh, yeah it was intense and then on the weekends I was having to work um, you know in in the supermarket where I work I love it by the way but I'm I'm doing six hours on Saturday and a Sunday and um when it, that's not as much if you think about it but when you've got university and you've got that and then on top of that I was tutoring on a Sunday night so uh, I don't know if I talked about this before but on a Sunday it, the way it would be was you know get up and because I had a generic shift on a Sunday because of the uh hours of the store um you know it'd be like let's say 10 to 4 I was doing you know, my shift, and then I'd come home, and then at half five, I think it was, yes, it was half five, was it five or half five, oh my god, I can't even remember, half five or five o'clock to about seven or seven thirty, um, I was tutoring, and then I would get something to eat, and then I would just go to my room and just work on, you know, whatever it was doing, I was an assignment, or if I wanted to catch up on a lecture, you know, that was just a Sunday, by the way, and then on top of that, in in between my week I had to find time to spend with my family I had to find time to work on myself like going to the gym and taking care of myself um and I would be so so grateful for that one day I'd have off from university because I would be able to fit in so much in that day that I actually need to do but what I'm trying to say is I'm talking from the perspective of a of a student right of a student who um you know I'm doing my own thing imagine being a someone who who's a who has a family you know they have a family they have to take care of they have commitments they have to you know take care of and then on top of that they have to do shift work and then on top of that they're not working 12 hours a week oh no no no. they are working you know 60 plus sometimes and it's all because they have to care for other people and you know in that sense sometimes you end up forgetting to take care of yourself at times but I never realized that this was a big thing um and now looking into this I genuinely I'm like oh you know what so much of this makes sense why didn't I ever think of this before why didn't I ever realize this but yeah in terms of the way you live your life does obviously affect mental health but in terms of the BAME community we see this massively so other lifestyle factors include financial burdens and pressures so as data shows that Chinese Arab other Asians, um, other ethnic groups and, you know, many more, they spend a higher percentage of income on rent than white British households. Um, And the ethnic groups with the largest percentage of households in the two lowest quintiles of income were Pakistani, Bangladeshi and black, meaning that they don't exactly earn as much compared to their, um, to the white population. Um, And, that's that's another pressure on itself you have to you know then make sure that you're making enough money to 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 make sure that you're taking care of every single thing in your life your rent your grocery shopping your you know for your kids and all that type of stuff it's hard you know it's a financial burden and to think that there's so many families out there who just do it they don't complain they don't you know do anything and it's not by the way it's not wrong to talk about it you should talk about it you have to but the fact that there are so many who just just go on about it in their everyday life without even thinking twice to stop and just check in with themselves that's just so it's really hard I guess you know when you sit down and you think that especially mean for me I am from the BAME community I am Pakistani you know I am from the South Asian community and to know that there's so many of us that struggle and I 
you know, personally, I mean, believe it or not, like I said, I had a vague idea of this. I didn't exactly have to look into the stats for this. You know, I kind of knew that this was a big thing around us. But yeah, and um, this, in terms of the mental health aspect, it's a real, it's, this really is a topic for another day. But, um, you know, because it involves so much, but essentially a big factor is the, is the culture of shame and labelling. Um, in the South Asian community and it becomes a barrier to accessing help Um, and I know that many black individuals say the same too but um, the BBC actually did an interview with a cricketer um, called Monty Vanessa back in 2016 I hope I pronounced that right but um, he was suffering from paranoia and anxiety and he said that whilst the cricketing world was supportive and understanding the Asian community actually has no understanding of what mental health is so so after he spoke up a lot of young Asians said that they were so glad because it was a big taboo in the community they were just so grateful that this man you know who's maybe an idol for most people he came forward he talked about this when he opened up and um the community they have a you know they have a tendency to brush things under the carpet whether it's cultural embarrassment personal or sometimes even physical you know believe it or not it's just so awful but there are actual there actually are families out there there actually are people out there who will cover up any physical aspect that you know is somewhat deemed um you know, not culturally appropriate or it doesn't go with the norms, they will try their best to cover it up because they're so embarrassed or they're so ashamed. And it's this whole concept of labelling in the community. It's just so awful. It is absolutely suffocating at times for some people. And, you know, I feel really bad and I pray that it gets better. I always pray that, you know, it gets better for some people because they have it really bad. But, um, They talked to a professor at King's College in London, uh, Dinesh Bugra, and he had explained it in such a great way. I think the way he put it into words, it was just amazing. He said there's no word for depression in South Asian uh, languages. You know, language is a big barrier. And um, the identified causes are usually put down to life's ups and downs. So if you suggest they should seek medical help for it, they don't actually understand that doctors can help, you know, because it's not actually a physical pain of some sort. But you know, they they don't ever understand that it's an actual emotional mental thing. They just think, oh, you know, life is a bit funny right now. That's why I'm probably feeling this way. You know, you actually need to sit down and think about this and check in with yourself. It's okay not to be okay, really. And um, in the South Asian community, it's really hard hitting because no one can really talk about it, especially with the elder generation. But in terms of physical health and medical conditions like diabetes, lifestyle factors attribute to the main causes like diet and nutrition. So um, they did obviously, there's some research that you know went into this by diabetes.org and they found that in relation to dietary factors and um, insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome risk, South Asians have a higher intake of carbohydrates, saturated fat fatty acids and lower intakes of fiber compared to other populations and obviously this doesn't just affect the incident of diabetes it also affects the likelihood of getting cancer and coronary heart disease you know our diets are kind of bad and you know you'd think that okay well it's okay to eat that type of stuff as long as you're doing you know exercise as long as you're working out or as long as you're being fit to burn that all off and take care of yourself well actually it's really low in the South Asian communities. Um, physical activity, obviously, is, you know, when you're trying to figure out how much 
you know someone exercises or how much community exercises it's always done on a self self-reported kind of survey you know whether that's in questionnaires or filling you know kind of forms but it still shows that on the whole it really is low in south asian communities compared to other groups and this also includes children the amount of exercise that children are doing is very different for when you compare south asian children to um you know white kind of groups of children there isn't really much research into barriers to physical activity in south asians but it includes cultural factors and a lack of awareness of the benefits of physical activity so obviously there wasn't much research done into this but i sat down and i thought well why could this be the the reason and i'm going to be honest the biggest thing that is hard you know the biggest problem that south asians face in their communities is this whole lokya kenge mentality um and obviously if you don't understand urdu it's this whole mentality of oh what will people say what are people gonna say what are people gonna think when we do something or we act in a certain way you know one um i have seen a lot is that women shouldn't be involved in sports it is a much benefit to them so you know how um boys are involved in sports men you know regularly go to the gym blah 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 you know if a woman does that it's that thing of like oh but why why does she need to it's not really needed you know you don't really push your uh, girls towards sports as much as you would with the boys and that will affect them in later life okay um when they are older you don't want them to become one of these statistics you don't want to be you don't want them to become one of these stats um and unfortunately if you don't take care of your diet and your exercise and your mental well-being this is what's going to happen you know we will be become one of these stats so essentially if you think about it if they are so scared of being labeled at the end of the day if you're not doing the things that you should do to look after yourself are you not then becoming a label by becoming a statistic is that not the case um you know there's language barriers and cultural barriers like clothing or not understanding the principles behind gym and outdoor fitness so um you know the young generation let's just say um they they don't have the confidence at the end of the day um to go out and to seek this uh physical kind of leisure um and you know know that it's benefiting them in the same way that it would with the younger generation because they think oh you know i'm old what's the need for me to do that well i'm not going to go wear those type of clothes i'm just going to you know stick to my traditional kind of fits um and then language barriers as well um you know how do you tell them that this is the way to do it not that way it's very hard for these type of people i think it's majoritively it's a big thing for the um elder generation i think the younger generation now you know they're getting more on board with this idea you know a lot of us go to the gym i go to the gym you know a lot of my friends do we all do you know we're all seen there um and outdoor fitness is a big thing now alhamdulillah we're getting onto that you know principle that we should be taking care of ourselves but yeah these are many of the cultural factor- factors you know and oh and a lack of awareness is like oh it's not really going to benefit me you know it's not really going to do much good to me if i go out and you know do a bit of a run or if i go out and you know uh, go to gym it's not really going to benefit me no it will you just you just need to sit around to see the results and it's something that we really need to make aware of you know make them aware of the the benefits of physical activity the fact that it is there for you because it's going to do good to you so i feel like improvements in recent times um well first of all obviously more women 
especially they, they're more comfortable with going to the gym and obviously men as well um and you know you see a lot of the elders as well as in like the middle kind of generation they are doing that so that's really good um and obviously as young youngsters we really are uh sports is becoming well accustomed with the boys but i still think it's a bit apprehensive when it comes to the girls um you know we need to push our girls towards doing that more often walking is seen as a positive way of exercising amongst the older generation um which is an improvement in recent years like guys when i tell you the amount of is so adorable like you see the the you know slightly older older people of our community when they're just going out with their walks you know uh, in the evening and you know they're just having a great old time you can tell and i think that's really great at least they're getting something in there and obviously you know look at the benefits of walking it helps you mentally as well so that's great and um i think the the coronavirus pandemic has made people realize just how important it is to stay in touch with the physical aspects of their well-being you know, we've we've realised that, oh damn, you know, maybe we're putting ourselves at high risk. Maybe we are the reasons that, you know, we are at risk because we're not taking care of ourselves. So God forbid, if something like this was to happen again, we need to be prepared, you know. Um work on yourself. Work on yourself to make sure that you don't become a statistic and work on yourself to make sure that you are not at high risk. And in terms of mental health, I still think there's a long way to go. And I think that most of that can be put down to the generational gap. Um, you know the younger generation we're more open about mental health we talk about our emotional problems having said that there's still you know we still got work to do there as well as that doesn't mean that all of us are open with it you know we still got a little bit of that toxic masculinity we've still got a little bit of that subtle you know Loki gang mentality um and we need to get rid of that obviously but um i think the older generation they're still having a hard time with this and if we were to go back to our home countries especially it's a really big problem there no one talks about mental health there i don't think it's even a thing on the papers <laughs> i don't think it's a thing to talk about and I, i really that really saddens me because i wish you know we could do something about that i wish um um, I wish something was introduced into schools especially over there where the kids are taught that they should really sit down and focus on this they should talk to people if you can't talk to anyone come talk to your teachers come talk to you you know your other friends about it you know there should be some kind of platform there should be some kind of service out there you know especially in you know areas like Pakistan for example where um you know people are more comfortable talking about mental health people are more comfortable with sitting down and understanding that yes you know I am facing these type of problems i may or may not have depression i may or may not be you know facing these really strong um internal struggles and yeah they really really need to make some more platforms of awareness over there and i wish we could do something to help i think there definitely must be something out there that we could do but um it's getting better alhamdulillah it's getting better and inshallah i hope that it just gets better and better it just gets to the point where we are really open about this type of stuff and we work on ourselves so yeah it is i feel like it is sad that these are real statistics but what would be worse is if we didn't focus on them what would be worse is um if we didn't understand that they exist that these problems exist so we need to work on ourselves like we definitely need to work on ourselves especially for our communities especially for our future generations we need to work and stop making ourselves um in these you know problems i'm not saying that it's our fault entirely no not at all never you know um 
in fact, I think that because of the coronavirus pandemic, the NHS have actually um, announced that they're going to be putting in a whole lot more funding and they're going to be providing more services for BAME women um, in terms of, you know, like the whole COVID-19, you know, pregnant women are more likely to get it. Um, oh, sorry, not more likely to get it. That was totally misinformation there. Um, pregnant women of BAME backgrounds are, you know, getting COVID-19 infections and they are just becoming a higher statistic so yeah because of that they are uh, rolling out a lot more help towards that which I think is great oh I could just feel my stomach rumbling <laughs> sorry about that I'm fasting but um <laughs> yeah I heard that <laughs> but yeah I hope that was um enlightening I hope that was um informative and I hope that raised awareness as well especially of just how much um the BAME community is affected by this type of stuff and um yeah I hope we can all do something to play a part in this I hope we can all have a role to play in this but um start working on ourselves so essentially our community can get stronger and better um and yeah I I will join you next week for another episode inshallah and until then I hope you take care of yourself um I think the recommendation for this week will to be you know to be is to just sit down and actually think about how much are you doing for your exercise how much are you doing for your diet you know I mean in relation to the pandemic the gyms are opening again on the 25th of July inshallah so get out there (laughs) and go for a walk as well Go for a walk, take a breather um, and have an apple. <laughs> just eat healthier, guys, and exercise and just really check in with yourselves. Please do that. So, um, yeah, I will join you next week for another episode, inshallah. Until then, take care and see you guys again. Bye.